Welcome to Federal Insights for May, generating more value for your data. Sponsored by Commvault and NetApp on Federal News Network. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers moves a lot of dirt, water, equipment, and materials for its projects around the world. It also moves a lot of data to account for it all and to improve planning. For how the Corps manages and protects its data, I spoke with its CIO, the various peoples. Let's talk about data. Let's begin maybe with a sense of the data sources, the scope that is used by the Army Corps of Engineers, and then we'll get to how you use it. Yeah, so so data is data is huge within the uh, within the core. Um, just to kind of give you a scope of, of what we have, we have terabytes on top of terabytes of data. Uh, we have many different elements inside of the core that actually use data um, from our major financial systems to the Army geospatial uh, community, which we are the execution agent for the geospatial element within the Army. Um, you also have the, we're also the P2 uh, or the construction element for the Army as well. So uh, the Army and real estate. So when you begin to look at it, we house all the real estate data. We house all the construction data. Um, so, our, so data within the Army is huge within the Army Corps of Engineers, especially it's even larger. And with regards to the mission that we have, so we also have a huge civil mission. So from a data standpoint, we use that as well, too. So we do a lot of inventory. Uh, we conduct a lot of inventory and, and use information consumed by each and individual program element. Um, and we also use uh, repositories as well. Um, that's how we identify identify a lot of our authoritative data sources through repositories for the various types of information. Um, we have many different policies. We have our Data 25 strategy um, that allows us to be able to discover and align to identify which data is available to help us make authoritative decisions. Um, so we use data extensively, and we have many different program elements that uses authoritative data to help the Army make informed decisions. Over. Got it. And does this tell us a little bit about the architecture of the storage and where all of this data resides? Because I imagine some of it might be outside of the Corps' specific domain, but nevertheless needs to be available to the Corps and maybe vice versa. Right. So so from an architecture standpoint, we do we share a lot of data. Um, so the, from from a design standpoint, we, we design it. Uh, we design a lot of our data systems with, with cybersecurity and those type of things in mind, um, understanding that it is a huge priority for us to be able to effectively collaborate. Um, so from a collaboration standpoint, as communicated, we have a unique mission. We have a civil mission, we have a relief, disaster relief mission, and we have a military mission. So we have three different entities that all have to effectively collaborate. So with that being said, we tie all of those things together in order to be able to have some type of informed output for a lot of our users. Um, so we actually categorize a lot of our information on demand, and we associate that with various service levels. So from a storage standpoint, the data is always accessible, is always readily available for use. Um, we have an enterprise storage concept that we provide the storage capabilities to the enterprise to where we can allow everybody to have ease of access and ease of use. Over. And tell us more about the Data 25 strategy, what it is for the core and then we can perhaps talk about how it relates to the greater Army strategy for, for data. So we use the Army, the Army Data 25 strategy as a framework. Um, it's a framework that allows us to be able to align the organization looking at data from authoritative data sources. Uh, pretty much we have a lot of programs of record inside of the core as already previously communicated. But the real question becomes how do we use that data to, to make more informed decisions? Um, and that's one of the things that the Data 25 strategy allows us to be able to do. It allows it puts us on a glad glad path 
to where we have the ability to assess the right talent to ensure we can make those informed decisions and understand what we're doing with the data. It helps us make financial decisions as well um, to the point where we also can begin to tie in a lot of uh, creative things such as AI and, and, and futuristic capabilities. So the Data 25 strategy is our roadmap to be able to effectively get after some of the uh, some of the Army priorities. Our Data 25 strategy is in alignment with the larger Army data strategy, uh, which we work in conjunction with CIOG 6 and the larger Army to ensure that we're nested and aligned and can effectively communicate. Because ultimately, the Army leverages the systems that the Corps has, um, from our real estate to our projects from construction, um, and even some of our financial system information to a certain extent. So in order to be able to make sure that that data is, is, is legible, is consumable, um, and it provides the right output, that's how we use the Data 25 strategy to move us forward as an organization to look at things from a visual perspective and not just from a systematic standpoint. Over. And give us a sense of the range of formats that the data comes in. Some of it might even be unstructured. And so how do you make sure that it is staged in a way that it can be usable by applications? Ultimately, that's the purpose of data. Yeah, so we have uh, we, we deal with structured and unstructured data because ultimately, regardless of how you look at it, the, the underlying concept is data. So we, we begin to begin to look at different aspects and avenues as to how we can leverage it and, and, and display it, how we can protect it. Um, so those are all of the things that we begin to just put our mindset around. So unstructured data, making sense of the unstructured data, the more structured data, also being able to make sense of that as well, too. We want to be able to ensure that the data is consumable, regardless of what form it's in. So we are assessing the various repositories, assessing the various sources, and we're trying to consolidate or collapse our enterprise to begin to pull from those respective repositories, that of what is authoritative, to begin to put out an output that's consumable by the end user. Over. This all implies that there is a metadata strategy to overlying all of this, because to be able to have a repository that people can access and know what's there, uh, you must have a metadata strategy. Tell us more about that. We we have a we do have a metadata strategy. We are we're beginning to align those strategies with some of the army concepts. Um, but ultimately, again, the end the end goal is to be able to consume the data. And metadata metadata is just a large consumption or a large platform of data. But ultimately, how do we make sense of all of that data? And that's what the data strategy is allowing us to actually get after. All right. And talk about the way that you would deal with data or find data that you might not be aware of, so-called dark data, not something that's illicit or illegal or something like that, but just simply data that could be useful to the Army or to the Corps. It's simply not in a discoverable format or system. Right. So so that kind of builds on the, on the original question of from a discoverable and available perspective. Uh, when you begin to look at the inventory of a lot of the information that we have, within the core, we must be able to accurately capture our findings in, in, in a data or more informed catalog perspective, which makes our data more visible um, from a description, from a context, uh, to include location. Because as I said before, we within the core, we are the construction element in Asia, and we're also a geographical, a geospatial organization that provides geographics and output. Um, and we want that data, especially from a location standpoint, to be consumable. We want you to know where it resides, and, and we also want you to be aware of the information owner. So when you so-called start talking about dark data um, into more findable and usable data, we want a lot of the, the dark sources or other issues raised, especially as we had the conversation on, on the main question about being discoverable. 
We want to be able to put it in, in, in aspects of unstructured data, which may be challenging to query. Um, and a lot of times we'll, in return, need to be able to acquire tools that are capable of scanning, um, cataloging, as well, as well as querying um, a lot of that type of data, such as PDFs, which have more challenging concepts or constructs inside of it, such as images and those type of things, images. Even some have videos um, inside of a lot of these documents as well that you can play. So that's a lot of the dark data concepts, making it more findable, more researchable. That's how we're trying to go along or go about handling some of those things. Over. Various Peoples, Chief Information Officer at the Army Corps of Engineers. More of the interview after the short break. I'm Tom Temin. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Commvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. The seamlessly integrated solutions from Commvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more. Welcome back to our interview with DeVarius Peoples, CIO of the Army Corps of Engineers, discussing the agency's strategy for managing and protecting data. And let's talk about the human capital side of this. You mentioned that briefly earlier. To be able to understand the data, to deal with it, to stage it, to cleanse it, whatever you do to get it useful, what kinds of people do you have and what are your human capital challenges related to data and to data 25? Right. So one of the things we're definitely looking to do is we're, look, we're looking to grow our, our individuals or grow our employees to really be able to understand what data is, um, how to consume data and make it more uh, discoverable. Uh, we are working in a conjunction with Big Army, CIOG6 and the like to, to use the, the training courses, the partnerships that are being established externally, whether that's with industry or academia. Um, to properly grow our employees. Um, so we are we are definitely investing heavy into the people or the human capital aspects of things. How do we enable the workforce to be more of a 2028 type of workforce? There, that means there's a lot of technology we have to ensure that our team understands. That means there are a lot of training courses that we have to send them to, whether that's through online learning or whether that's in-person learning as well. But really investing into the employees is something that we're doing because if not, then that means the data strategy we're trying to put in place will be flat. And because this concept that we know of as data right now is a very uh, is a very green concept and it's a new concept. And in order to do it right, there's a, le a learning curve and there's an elevation, an aspect of education that needs to be brought. And we're definitely pursuing all options, working with headquarters, CIOG6, uh, with, with the larger team and the likes of others in academia and industry. Over. The other issue is data analytics, which also has a human capital dimension because you need people that can understand how that works and to do analysis, but also at the program level, the people that would benefit from data analytics need to somehow understand what it can do for them, what it can't do, and what types of data sources would be relevant to the analysis problem they think they have. How does that all work? Yeah, again, that's the, that's the organizational education, the training mechanisms to really ensure that users understand exactly how to use that data. We are definitely sending our, our employees through training because ultimately we want them to be able to make sense of the data. And that means looking at it from a different perspective, more so from a systematic view, but more of a data view. Uh, and ultimately when we get there, that'll be the true end state. But in order to do that, users have to be trained effectively in order to do their job. Over. And let's pull on that string a little bit. 
Tell us more about the training that you have in place so people have the skills needed for analytic consumption and analytic operations. Well, I mean, we have we are, we are working with Army to evolve the, the in-person training with academia. Um, there are online training that we've been leveraging with the industry, as well as some of our internal Army training as well. So, so we are, we're leveraging every aspect of training that's possibly afforded to us that we can use to help train and, and enable our workforce to be successful going forward. Over. And let's talk about some of the cybersecurity measures and really more beyond cybersecurity, data protection. I mean, cybersecurity is a part of that, but data protection can also mean making sure the right sources are available. As you mentioned, the systems of record sources are authoritative. Talk about your strategy for data readiness and data protection. Right. So several things that we begin to focus on, you, you have the encryption aspects of things. So that's more so encryption in motion, as well as that rest, of course, which is an excellent beginning um, to, to being effective. Um, but it's not sufficient, though, because the threat continues to grow. And ultimately, we want to protect the data. So you have sensitive information, which is pretty much the association of different data elements um, that creates information. So, um, so one of the things we must do internally to the organization is really understand where are those relationships how are they created, what aspects are sensitive, um, and then being able to associate it in disparate locations from a geographical or geospatial perspective, and then the encryption mechanisms as to how we properly secure and lock that information down. Um, furthermore, there are some other things that we begin to take a look at. Um, we, we understand how to access it with credentialing. Um, that means information attempting to ensure that the right person can access that data or the person you want to access the data has the ability to access it. And then that means having the right controls on those applications um, to kind of reduce the demand of collusion. Um, there are other areas of concern that we begin to look at from application development and maintenance um, because ultimately you begin to look at different forms of data masking to protect the information, but also being able to allow you to test that data to make sure you have exactly what it is you're looking for. Um, some other cyber and some other critical protection things that we begin to, to look at is inside a threat as well. Um, the inside of threat are bad actors. Who has the ability to manage, hack with credentials? Um, all of those things are put into place. So then you begin to bring this beautiful concept that we know as AI, looking at it from a behavior analytics um, as well as early detection. All of those things go into the cyber practice, the cyber hygiene um, as to how we apply it to the data aspects of things. Over. And how has the pandemic situation with, I imagine, a lot of the civilians at the Army Corps of Engineers teleworking and maybe even some of the uniforms, I don't know how it's all set up. How has that affected this whole idea of making sure that things are protected with proper credentials and other controls? Yeah, ultimately, I mean, our, our major strategy is to ensure the data is accessible and is protected. Um, so we do have a lot, we do have controls from IDAM, Identity Access Management, and some of these other technical capabilities that provides you a level of protection, uh, which allows the data to be easily accessible from authoritative sources. Uh, we, we've put in segmentation, um, segmentation being able to segregate the data um, from compartmentalization, which allows for you to access that data with the proper cybersecurity controls and mechanisms in place, um, which, which makes it a more trusted environment, more protected environment, giving the right access to those that really need it. And that's even more important as we work remote. Um, because one of the things you'll find out, more users connect to the environment through a virtual private network than that of a VPN. Um, so it's not as if they're going through a regular LAN um, or some type of network, local network access um, to be able to connect to the environment. So remote users connecting in through a VPN makes it harder to protect that environment because of the various ways they can connect. So ensuring you have the proper mechanisms, protocols, 
and, and, and access management credentials in place to safeguard the information is critical and key. So we've heightened our awareness as well as we've elevated our cybersecurity protocols to ensure we can properly secure and protect the data. Over. You're listening to an interview with DeVarius Peoples, Chief Information Officer at the Army Corps of Engineers. Our third and final segment after the short break. I'm Tom Temin. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Commvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. The seamlessly integrated solutions from Commvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more. Welcome back to the third and final segment of an interview with DeVarius Peoples, CIO of the Army Corps of Engineers, discussing the agency's strategy for managing and protecting data. And let's talk about the cloud strategy. Every federal agency and certainly the armed services are dealing with how to work with clouds. What is the Army Corps of Engineers strategy with use of clouds in particular for storing, protecting, staging and the general readiness of the data. Yeah, so we um so we are moving more towards the uh we we've adopted or embraced I'm going to say the the cloud smart uh approach as to how we deploy a lot of our cloud capabilities. Um so what does that mean being able to move data into a cloud environment um based off of the readiness um the readiness and the availability and the demand because everything won't go to the cloud. So one of the things that we wanted to ensure is that we have the most current information available to be able to respond to a lot of the information requests. Um, so that's that's one of the ways that we begin to use cloud and leverage the cloud environment to move our mission forward. So now we can provide high-speed access um, between transactions of systems as well as the analytical as well as through the analytical cloud environment. Where possible and where feasible, um, we can begin to we set up co-locations. Uh, we've started to move forward on a concept. We identified it as our meet me point concept, um, but it's how we operate within a cloud construct to where we're trying to uh, establish an environment with uh, with nominal latency between computing environments to where we can bring a lot of those transactional systems and analytical environments together, which, which enhances a lot of what it is that we do. And then will allow us to be able to move data into more analytical repositories, um, with, which provides on-demand um, access. It also provides caching that highly re, uh, reused information, um, but it doesn't degrade the access to that uh, to that data. So we, within the core, um, we avoid storing data in a cloud analytical environment to where all of our data, uh, which which potentially increases the risk uh, from a cyber standpoint. That's how we minimize a lot of those things, utilizing and leveraging the cloud. Over. Other elements of the Army, you know, mention the fact that often they have operators, typically brigades and, and warfighters, that may be operating in austere environments that don't have high bandwidth cloud reachback. So they develop architectures to make sure that they can compute and get value of data without having that rich networking situation. Is that also true of the Army Corps of Engineers, or mostly you operate where there's plenty of bandwidth? Well, we, within the Corps, as I said before, we have a unique mission, and one of the unique aspects of our mission is the civil mission. Um, and that civil mission is, uh, is, is, is unique. Uh, I'll put it that way. It is very unique. Um, so just a little bit about the Corps. We are in about 55 districts, CONUS, nine divisions. 
and we're in 123 countries uh, worldwide. So the geographical span uh, or the footprint for the core is, is very large. So within the CONUS aspect of footprint alone, we're in distant in locations, being that of down south, Mississippi Valley, uh, New Orleans, Montana, Walla Walla, and Seattle. Those are very distant in locations where signal strength, uh, network connectivity is far and few. So we begin to look at how we can con allow users to connect in a more optimal manner, looking at things such as 5G, looking at things such as wireless um, communications, uh, strengthening working with our mission partners to really bring that to the to the end user. So we have, I'm not necessarily going to say we've set up different networks, but we have set up uh, signal enhancement, uh, network enhancement uh, capabilities and those type of things to ensure we strengthen the connection. Um, because the core is slightly unique not so much on the warfighter, but we have a unique civil mission and we're the construction element and agent for the Army and we have a unique civil mission that requires us to think outside the box because ultimately we're fighting a slightly different mission than the warfighting mission. We're fighting more the disaster relief, the civil aspects of things. So we respond to all natural disasters, things such as COVID-19. When, when major floods happen, we are the execution agent supporting those local and state areas to ensure that they can operate efficiently and effectively so that means we have to think a little bit differently than how the Army fights with warfighters, but think more so of the civil aspects of things. So, yes, that does force us to, to begin to look at how do we have the network to be able to be strong enough to be able to support the mission at hand. So we have looked at it from that perspective, but it's slightly different from the Army's perspective of warfighting, but yet it is from the disaster relief aspect of the mission. Over. And finally, how do you deal with the sheer growth in data? and making sure that sources stay authoritative and that you can discard data that may not have a purpose anymore. And with video coming into more and more domains, that's really one of the fuels for all of this data growth. Well, I mean, I think we're, we're at a point in time where now the cost of storage continues to improve, and that allows us to be able to offset some of the growth. Uh, but the majority of the growth that we have is pretty much managed in about four or five different ways from a core standpoint. We take a slightly different strategic approach. I put in about four or five buckets. One of those is we take advantage of the data deduplication and data compression technologies. Um, we also minimize uh, duplicate copies of, of various data sets. So we, we try to eliminate duplication and redundancy as much as possible. Um, and we've established more of a frequently activated archiving solution um, that allows us to be able to store as well as access. Um, and we've defined a more rigorous and detailed data retention practices because, as you know, even within the, with the Army, with DOD, you have many different retention policies depending on what the data is. So how do we properly segment it, separate it, and store the data where applicable and appropriate? And then, again, we leverage data summarizations where possible um, because, ultimately, if we can offset and store data in different places, that allows us to be able to effectively meet the data retention and data mission, but it also allows us to be able to take full advantage of some of the technologies that are out there without the demand of the policies and procedures that have been put on us from higher-ups. Over. The Various Peoples, CIO of the Army Corps of Engineers, discussing the agency's strategy for managing and protecting data. To share this interview or hear it again, go to federalnewsnetwork.com and search Federal Insights. I'm Tom Temin. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for May, generating more value for your data. Sponsored by Commvault and NetApp on Federal News Network. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Commvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. 
The seamlessly integrated solutions from Commvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more.